If you've experienced Jesus, you should be excited for others to experience him too. You not extending an invitation or you not sharing your testimony is proof that Hello, welcome. Welcome. Um, obviously, from the introduction already, um, this is my first time here. So if it's your first time here too, awesome. We're in the same boat. Um, if not, don't tell me because I want to be surprised if you've been here before. But I love the name that you guys picked for your church, the Come to Life Bible Church, that you guys understand that as Christians, we know that the Bible is not just a collection of books, that it's not just some words that meant something at some point in time, but that the Bible is the living word of God and that the living word of God can have an impact on our lives and add that life to revive us, as you guys have been talking about in this whole series of revival. Um, I've known your pastor, Steve, for almost two decades, which I don't like to think about because that's a long time. And that makes me feel a little bit old, um, but I just wanted to get that out of the way so that if I make any comments about Steve, you know that it's all out of love. Like you guys said that his new baby daughter looks like Steve. And yes, of course, as her father, maybe it's that she looks like him or is it that Steve kind of just has some features that make him look more like a newborn baby. Who knows? Anything is possible. But yes, I am a youth pastor. I'm a youth pastor at a church called Victor Community Church way out in Victor. So if you ever go to Eastview Mall, uh, wave off to the distance and I will feel the welcome presence that you are there. Um, most of the teens that I work with are amazing and uh, I love working with them because I don't know what it is, and I don't want to say that it's never happened before, um, but I will say that the the movement of God through this next generation right now is amazing. Um, and to be able to see that has been awesome. Um, I have a beautiful wife, um, completely out of my league, very similar to what your pastor's situation is, um, but she is amazing. We, I think maybe she needs to get her eyes checked, but she doesn't know how bad she has it. I am very blessed. I also have a beautiful daughter. Her name is Nora. She is almost three, which means, yes, she is two. And yes, please pray for us all the time. Um, she is, she's in every sense of the word, she is an angel. She is beautiful. She is glorious, oftentimes terrifying. And so the whole package. And also, very similarly, we are, um, to your pastor, we are expecting our second daughter. Um, she'll be coming, thank you, yes. Uh, she will be coming in January. January 17th is the due date. Um, we are so excited about all of that stuff. Uh, you guys have been going through a series about revival, about bringing to life that which has been spiritually dead, right? And so last week, Steve preached about Acts 13, the word of God spreading. I loved his analogy of, of hunger or thirst that when we're dehydrated, oftentimes we don't realize that we need the thing that we so desperately need. And so with Acts 13, after having that taste of the word of God, that thing that they never knew they needed, the people that had heard from Paul and Barnabas, they yearned for more. I believe that we all are here tonight for a reason. I believe 
that we are here because God has set our paths to intertwine, to maybe introduce or reintroduce the word of God into our lives and that that would then overflow into the lives of the people that we come into contact with. I want us to focus on one thought. When I do the the big church messages at our church, I like to give a title or a thought that you just kind of keep in the back of your mind as we go through it. So the thought for tonight is a pretty simple one. It starts with one. I think it's going to be up on the screen as well. It starts with one. It starts with one. As you're turning to Acts 10, keep that thought in the back of your mind. We're all here because of a revival that starts in Acts 10. And actually, something else we do at at my church started roughly a year ago. Our, Our senior pastor was talking about how often we get excited about so many different things. We get so excited about sports, the hope that the Bills give us, and then so quickly takes away. We get excited about all of these things, and we often express that with cheering and with our bodies. None of those things that we get excited for hold a candle to our God. And so, should we not be excited about spending time in God's word. So one more time, I'm going to tell you to turn to Acts chapter 10. And after I do, I would love it if you would shout and cheer like you're at some sports game. Cool. All right. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. Thank you. Thank you for responding. I was I was worried, but I'm glad we got there. Um, we are here because of the revival that started in Acts chapter 10. God knew that in this year of 2023, that there would still be people that he wanted to reach. And it's all born out of this. In Acts 10, God makes it clear that his grace is for everyone. His grace is for everyone. That his word was not just for his chosen people anymore, but also for us. Those of us who are here tonight, the catalyst of God opening up his grace, not only the Jews, but also then to the Gentiles, starts in this chapter with one man. It starts with one. If you're in Acts chapter 10, give me a knowing look. Perfect. And we're going to look at verses 34 through 38. If you could just follow along as I read it out loud. It says this, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the providence of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. It starts with one. Would you pray with me as God prepares us for the word he has for us tonight? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to spend time in your house. God, we thank you for your love. I pray that we would all feel your presence, that we would feel that love, we would feel your peace tonight. And God, I pray that you would challenge us, that that the way we leave here tonight, that we would leave here different than when we came. And as we've already prayed, I would like to pray it again, that God, not my words be heard, but yours. I pray all of this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Man, it starts with one. I truly believe that God is looking for one. That tonight, God is looking for just one person that maybe, hopefully, 
one or a couple ones of you will feel that tug on your heart, that you will feel that tug and say, God, my family doesn't know you. Let me be that first one. That maybe my coworkers don't know you. Let me be the one. My neighbors, my classmates, whoever it is, let me be that one that God is looking at us. We see people, we see communities that are spiritually dead, that we want to see revival in. God is saying it starts with one. Will you be that one? Will you be that one? For all of us, it started with one man in Acts, and his name was Cornelius. So scan back to the beginning of Acts 10, verses 1 through 4, and follow along. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So we see Cornelius, and he was a centurion, so he was a high-ranking officer in the Roman army. He was a Roman soldier, and maybe some of us here remember pretty recently in the timeline of the Bible what the Romans had recently done to Jesus. And so Cornelius isn't starting at the best position. He wasn't starting in the best spot, but here's what made him stand out again in verse 4. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God, his prayer and his gifts to the poor. So he was a man of prayer, but wasn't just prayer. Does anyone know what Jesus answered when asked, hey, that's way too many rules. What's like the top commandment that we should follow? In Matthew 22, 36 through 40, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two Commandments. This is exactly what Cornelius was doing. He showed his love to God through prayer and then showed his love for others through giving. With a toddler in our house right now, the highs can be very high and the lows can be extremely low. Oftentimes, they're right next to each other and it's so fun. Um, a couple months ago, Nora started doing this thing. Um, I like to try to remain chill most times, and but I still wear my emotion on my face. And so she will do something that maybe she didn't even know she wasn't supposed to do. And so I tell her, no, don't do that. And then she looks at me and does it again. And then I take a deep breath. Sometimes I held it all in. Sometimes I go, okay, I'm, now I'm frustrated a little bit. Um, the first time this happened, we have a little breakfast nook in our kitchen. And so she was in her booster seat on the, the bench that wraps around. Um, she was hitting something against the table. I said, stop. She looks at me and does it again. I say, oh, okay, I'm, I'm not feeling great about this right now. Uh, she then proceeds to climb out of her booster seat, scooch her little toddler, body along all the way around to right next to me. She leans in and kisses my shoulder and looks up and says, do you feel better now? <laughs> to which I said, okay, a little bit, a little bit. Um, the, the scariest part is now she's also won't leave you alone until you smile, which a toddler saying you're not smiling is so terrifying. But 
she she kisses my shoulder and I felt a little bit better, right? I'm like, okay, you're showing a little bit of that love, but you know what would make me really feel better is if she did the thing she knows she should do. I'm telling her these things that I know are best for her, that, that if she really truly cared about herself and about me, that she would start to follow those more. I think a lot of us act like toddlers sometimes. And I think that we need to understand that our actions need to start matching our words. Too often, we, we shout out, God, I love you, and then we turn around and we never show that love to other people. This man who was a part of the organization who put our Savior to death in showing this love to God and to others, he grabbed God's attention. I think sometimes in our lives, we're, we're wondering why it feels like we're not getting God's full attention, and I believe it's because we, we think we can choose one or the other, that we can choose words or actions. God isn't looking for someone who says one thing but then does another. He wants us to practice what we preach. We need to be careful that we don't get so caught up in the churchiness and the religiousness of Christianity that we abandon God's people, and we have to make sure that we aren't so consumed with doing good in our actions that we abandon the God that we claim to represent. God is not looking for an either or. My first point on the screen is this. Our love for God is revealed in our love for others. If we break that down, it's suggested in our words, but it is proven in our actions. That means that if you aren't loving others, you're not truly loving God. And maybe to put it this way is that you cannot, it is impossible to fully love God. It's impossible to fully love God without having that love overflow to his children. You can't love God with all that you are and, and it stops there. It also has to be shown through how you love others. It's no wonder that people have a negative view of Christianity when the words that we say don't reflect in how we love. John 3:18 says it this way, dear children, do not or let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us not love in simply words and speech, talk a big game, but how about we show our love through actions and truth. Cornelius at this moment isn't saved, yet I think his life looks maybe even better than a lot of us who say that we are. We're going to learn that um, we can put the next point up. Oh, no, we're not going to do it yet. We're going to learn this next point. The revival comes not from our resume. It comes from a relationship because Cornelius had a great resume. He did everything right, but he was missing one person, simply missing one person. You keep going along in Acts 10 verses 5 through 8. The angel continues. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man called Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So we see an angel, and he has a message for Cornelius. There's something very interesting that stuck out to me as I was getting ready for this message. The angel came, which an angel is just simply a messenger from God. 
We see it a lot in the Bible. The angels show up and they have the message and they give the message. But in this one, an angel shows up and says, hey, go to Peter because he has a message for you. Why does the angel not give the message directly? Why could that because I think a lot of us want that. There are certain people in our lives we go, man, I really wish God would show up physically, that he would send an angel to just get them back into shape, to get them off of that path and onto the other, hit them upside the head with a Bible so they can actually show that love to God and to others. Why can't they do that? We want that to happen. Why is it not happening in this story? Why are they not scaring Cornelius so much and giving the exact message that he needs. I believe that the angel wasn't the one to tell Cornelius the message because in order for that message to have any weight, it had to be personal. That our messages to other people, when it comes from a personal place, it holds a lot more weight. An angel, a messenger, can, can bring facts about what's going on, but Peter, who has gone through so much, if you know his story at all, he's gone through a lot and made many, many mistakes. But he's gone through so much, he can provide experience, he can provide a life that he had with Jesus, he can provide faith, a reason for faith. We can see that because in verse five, the angel says, Simon, who is called Peter. He's not Simon anymore, but the angel calls out that he used to be Simon. It's the very fact that Peter used to be Simon and no longer is that gives him the authority to share about Jesus. I can share. I can tell you about Jesus because I've met him. I can tell you about Jesus because I have experienced who he is. And when I did, I was never the same. I can tell you about Jesus because he brought me from who I was into who God needed to be. That point, we can actually finally put it up on the screen. Revival comes not from your resume, but through your relationship, that relationship with Jesus. We need to be willing to talk about where we were so we can reveal what God has brought us all the way through. We need to be willing to talk about our past and our mistakes. The more open we are about our past, the more hope is then shared. That someone can hear about all the things that God has brought you through and begin to believe that God can bring them through as well. They hear all those things. Um, I don't know if I put this point actually on a, a, a slide. If I did, then it'll go up there. Thanks, Josh. Uh, but this one I like because it kind of rhymes. But you won't see God's glory if you don't share your story. They're not going to see the glory of God in your life if you're not willing to talk about it. We need to share our story completely. I was Simon, but then I met a guy named Jesus. And the real Jesus, not just some idea of Jesus, not just some theological fact uh, that you can argue that, sure, he existed, but I met him, and I know him, and I was never the same after that. I know Jesus is who you need because of everything that he's rescued me from. See, the message won't be heard if we aren't willing to tell all of it. Cornelius gets a message from an angel. And the next day, as he sends his men off to find Peter, God has a message for Peter as well. This isn't just a story about Cornelius. And so in verses 9 through 16, 
If you follow along, it says this, about noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. The beginning of this, before the vision, Peter had an issue. Up until this point, Peter believed that a man like Cornelius, someone not born into God's chosen people, is unclean and unworthy of having a relationship with God. That's what Peter believed. Verse 13, a voice from heaven, God's voice says, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not. Lord, Peter replied, never eaten anything impure or unclean. If you don't know Peter's history, um, this is a very Peter response to hearing the voice of God saying, no, thanks. I'm not going to do that. Um, Peter is very much the guy that would go too far in one direction, would get corrected by Jesus or someone else, and then overcorrect and go too far in the other direction. This is the man that is the only other person who walked on water. He walked on water because of his faith. He was also the guy that chopped off someone's ear, one of the people that were arresting Jesus the night that he was betrayed. This is Peter. He's notorious for going too far in one direction. And so, of course, when hearing the voice of God, he's going to respond poorly. He says, I would never eat that. Never have I and never will I. I would never eat that. Implication being that I'm better than that. That I am over that. That, that those things are beneath me. And, and, and more so, I'm not like the ones who would eat that. That I am better than those. See, God's response in those verses was, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Very simply, God's response, that's not up to you. That's not up to you. God wants to use you. He's looking at Peter and he says, I want to use you to reach the people that you've been counting out. I want to use you to reach those people that you thought were so unworthy of me. I want to use you. God wants to use us to reach the people that that if we're truthful with ourselves, we would say in our hearts, we feel like some of them are too far gone. God says, no one is. I want to use you for that. The next point up on the screen is this. We need to stop shutting the door in the face of the ones that God is inviting in. Stop slamming the door on the people we say, you're welcome here, but not really. Early on, as Nora was growing up, she, uh, as soon as she was tall enough on her tiptoes, she started messing with doorknobs. Luckily, she hasn't been able to actually open a door yet. Unluckily, she has been able to lock doors for forever. Uh, several weeks ago, 
my it was my wife's aunt so my aunt-in-law she came over to watch Nora and they were going to go on a walk and so it was one of those days when the weather's crazy because it's Rochester and so it could have could rain but maybe not so I was prepping the stroller out in the garage I was out there maybe two minutes just getting a rain cover to prep just in case so they could go off on their way I leave go to the garage do that come back go to go through the door the door is now locked it seems like it was about two seconds after I had left, Nora had run over, locked me out of my own house. So I knew that she doesn't mean to, and I knew that she doesn't really know what locking a door actually does. But I will say this, it feels weird and kind of bad to be locked out of a place that you are, people say, yeah, you're supposed to be in there. It feels not great. The funniest was I... Uh, I luckily had my key on me, and so I unlock the door, turn it to go in. The knob turns, but the door still doesn't open because, of course, she had also done the deadbolt as well. That felt more personal, but I talked to her about it later. We need to stop shutting doors in the face of the people that God is inviting in. We wonder why people don't feel the love of God, yet we are turning the deadbolt and locking them out to stay on the outside. We wonder why they don't feel the love of God. Stop shutting out people that God is inviting in. Cornelius's people were on their way to get Peter. Peter had a vision. Cornelius had a vision. Peter didn't know Cornelius. Cornelius had never met Peter, but that didn't matter because they both were listening to God. It didn't matter anyone's opinion. They were simply listening and obeying God. I think that many of us, too many of us, are worried about the opinions of people that we don't know. So then we don't listen to God. We're too worried about the opinions and judgments of people that we don't even know. My next point is don't let the opinions of the world drown out the directing of God. God has a calling and a direction for all of us. As we read at the beginning, God has no favoritism. God has a purpose for you. I think we like to worry about what other people think, and either that is so loud in our ears that we can't hear God, or we are so worried we choose not to hear God. It shouldn't matter what they think if we're listening to God's word. And when I say listening to God's word and God's calling, that doesn't just mean some divine kick in the back to get you out the door. That's not just hearing a word directly from him. He also have, we have the word of God. It's following and obeying what he's already given us. One quick point before my last point. Uh, follow along or further along in Acts 10, 24 through 26, Peter finally arrives. So in 24. The following day, he, meaning Peter, arrives in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Read verse 24 again. The following day, Peter arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them. Can someone say expecting? Expecting. He was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Because Cornelius was expecting God to show up, 
he invited over everyone he knew so that they could experience God and what God was about to do. He wanted every single person, all of his friends, all of his family, to feel that love of God. He wanted them to be a part of what God was going to do. This next part, I apologize for a little bit because it might sting just a tiny bit. What is this? We don't invite people to our churches because so many of us aren't sure if God's going to be there. We don't invite people because we're not sure if they're going to see God there. If you've experienced Jesus, you should be excited for others to experience him too. You not extending an invitation or you not sharing your testimony is proof that at least at times you don't expect God to show up. My next point on the screen is this. When we expect God, we experience God. How do I know that? How I know that as soon as we start to expect him, we start to experience him because God is already here. God is here. He is always here. He is always moving. But if you aren't ready, then we miss it. If you're not ready for it, you miss it. It's the expectation that brings about transformation. It started with one. It started with Cornelius. And we'll see that because he invited all these people that he knew, they got to partake in that as well. Peter shows up. He sees all of these Gentiles that he'd very recently had a very low opinion of. Um, he sees this house of a Roman soldier. No doubt, probably bringing back some bad memories, but he had a word from God, and so he begins to preach. He preaches. Part of that was what we had read at the beginning. And in the middle of his preaching, as if God couldn't wait any longer, that the anticipation that the people had was giving God just so much anticipation, as if he couldn't wait any longer. We see this in verses 44 through 48. So that's verses 44. Through 48, it says this, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. It starts with one. It started with one person. Peter, in the passage that we read at the beginning, said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God does not show favoritism. That is such good news. That is such good news. My last point is a two-parter because it's good news for you. The first part, you haven't been writ, written out of God's story. You haven't been written out of God's story. As long as there is breath in your lungs, God still has a purpose for you. You have not been written out of God's story. And here's the second part they haven't been written out of God's story. Whoever comes into your mind where you go, really? Them? Yes. Them. They have not been written out of God's story. I believe that God wants us to open up. He wants us to open ourselves to him 
and open ourselves to them, whoever they are, whoever it is that we have been shutting out. A lot of us have been Peter, that we need to finally open the doors of our lives to the ones that we've been shutting out, to finally and fully understand and live out the truth that no one is too far gone from God. And I think a lot of us, the challenge is also to be Cornelius, to be the first one that God can use. To be the first one that God can use to reach your family, to reach your communities, to reach the people that every single other person has counted out. But God says, I want them to be in my family as well. As Lindsay comes up, we're going to do one more song. And that song is Spirit Breakout, correct? Awesome. There's a lyric in that song that is about, can you hear the sound of heaven touching earth? Can you hear the sound of heaven touching earth? When we go through this last song, I want you to be reflecting on all of this, but specifically to realize that God is inviting you to be that touch point, to be that one, the touch point of God in the lives of all the people that you come into contact with. As I've said, your family, your coworkers, everyone, to have the opportunity in this moment, you have the opportunity to ask God to open your heart, to accept those you've been pushing away, and to be the spark of revival that they, whoever they are, so desperately need.